This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app. Use the promo code CHAIL today to get in on all the action. We got a couple exciting fights in the works. And coming up on today's show, I'll tell you about a great heavyweight fight that's just been booked. Hazmat Chemayev 
might have finally found his next opponent, and I'll also explain why Charles Oliveira is getting my respect. All of that in a moment. But first, let's begin with this. Masvidal versus Covington is just the story that won't go away. Oh, golly. Let me get my thoughts together, guys. I'm not excited for it. I'm not into it. I'm pretending to be. And I've pretended for two years now. Straight shoot right now. The gig is up. I am not into Masvidal versus Colby. Are any of you with me? And I don't totally know why I'm not. The story has everything. It is amongst the best stories in all of combat right now because it is a true personal grudge. These were friends. These were cornermen of each other. First time I ever saw Colby Covington at a UFC was behind the curtain at a weigh-in when he was with George Masvidal. George was sitting in the chair hurting because he was cutting weight. I think George was still going down to 55. And Colby was behind him rubbing his shoulders. Hey, man, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It's the first time I ever saw Colby at a UFC. I remember I was excited. It was like, I think we were in Atlanta. If I'm wrong, we were in Houston. I mean, I, I remember it very well because I was excited because I knew Colby and I knew that's something he wanted to do. And even if his foot in the door was as a corner man, I just remember it was a good moment for me. It was a good moment to see Colby involved in the sport that he wanted to be involved in. Guess they got, they used to be roommates. I know when Masvidal came out to do wrestling training at Colby's alma mater, Oregon State, and I'm pointing over my shoulder because it's 40 minutes right behind me. Colby and George came out, they got a place, they stayed together, they ate together, they trained together. I mean, these guys were real friends, and now it's to the point that they are not friends, they do not speak, unless it's through a third party to bury one another. They want to compete. Colby has been thrown out of the gym because of this rivalry that he got going with George that spilled over to other people, right? People started picking sides and Colby defended himself. But the story's real. It has everything that you would want. I don't know why I'm not that into it, but I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of tired pretending I'm in. You could get me there. If I knew both guys wanted to fight each other, if I started hearing training room stories, if I started hearing what's going to be different when we do this for real, you could talk me into it. And it's not that I don't like the match. There was even talk of them doing the Ultimate Fighter. If they had the marketing mechanism of the Ultimate Fighter, I mean, I don't doubt that this would be massive. I don't doubt anything about the story or the business of the fight. It's just when I look at the match, I could find things I'd rather see Colby go do. And I could find things I'd rather see Masvidal go do. But I'm half pissed off at Masvidal. And I have been for a period of time, which is another thing I've been hiding. Masvidal is so out of touch with where he is in this sport. And I can say it until I'm blue in the face. Masvidal is the second biggest draw in combat. He is only behind Conor McGregor. I would put, and I usually say MMA. I'm changing it to combat because I do not know of a boxer. And if you wanted to bring in the Canelos and the Tyson Furies, I'll be open to listening. I don't know of anyone, though, for sure, besides Connor, that can draw more than Masvidal. Masvidal's in a very unique spot, not to mention he's got his belt. The whole thing he set out to do since he was a little boy, he went and achieved, he's got the belt. And there's even talk from Dana that they're not going to make the Sunbitch defend it, which means he gets to be champion forever. It's awesome. What more do you want? 
but he keeps on fighting himself in matches that are very tough, that have to do with the rankings, that have to do with the road back to another belt. I mean, how greedy is the guy going to be? I can't begrudge him for anything that I'm saying, even if I want to say it with a sharp tone. But at some point, someone's got to slap him and say, you're in a very unique spot. There's three guys that live on this island where they can do anything, and it's going to be big. George Masvidal, anybody with the last name of Diaz, and Conor McGregor. There's nobody else out there. It doesn't matter who their opponent is. They could go in and wrestle a bucket. People would watch. And Boswell keeps putting himself in the hardest possible position. I mean, Kamar Usman, and then he wants Kamar Usman again? Good for George. Respect the whole thing. I even think that he deserved but th that's hard. Now he wants to fight Colby and there's no belt. I'm just suggesting for you there's other things to do with Masvidal, not to mention Masvidal's hurt. I mean, everybody, even tough guys in the tough guy business, do have to take just a moment once they get hurt. Masvidal has not fully recovered from an injury, and he's going after Colby Covington, which, by the way, really is a turn in the story. Because Colby's been going after George hard. And it even looked as though, just to take you guys down memory lane, it looked as though Colby and George were going to fight. They were going to add the mechanism of the ultimate fighter, which seems to sweeten the pot for all of us viewers. I think we would really enjoy that, in fairness. And then you've got this huge fight that is solely based on a personal grudge, which you can only dream of getting. That, that's the best. For the number one fight you want to see is based on a personal grudge. But how many real ones are there? Guys go out there and they try to manufacture them all the time. This is real. I don't know of another personal grudge match that the sport has, but there's still something there that misses for me, and I believe it misses for me because Masvidal doesn't have to do it. That would be a mega fight. But whatever Masvidal does next is going to be a mega fight. And if the poor guy's hurt, he's got the right to get himself better before he's going to looking for an opponent. But here we are. Here we are in this position, but Masvidal has switched it to a 180. He came out and said that he is trying to get the fight to the point that the UFC has even called Colby Covington, and they're going to call him yet again. I think that Masvidal even said it will be the fourth time. I have a hard time believing that. In all fairness, Nob and Colby, the way that I know him, nobody calls Colby out and doesn't get a yes, particularly the number one guy that Colby wants to fight, who Colby's been coming after for a number of years. But Masvidal has never lied to us. Ever. Masvidal doesn't do shtick. He's a character, but he, it's not shtick. Right? It's one of the reasons Masvidal is so over. He's just being himself. He's being himself now with longer hair. So he's very authentic and real. I can't remember a time that Masvidal's ever tried to swerve us, the audience, and he's claiming that he wants to fight Colby. If that is true, then I'm very confident in telling you, them two boys are going to go and fight. If it isn't true, I do have things I'd rather see both of them do. I do, for right now. If the story comes out, if they tell it in a different way, if Masvidal comes out and says what's going to be different, and there is an answer to that. When those two used to train, Masvidal's greatest strength is striking. You do not strike at 100%. Colby's greatest strength is wrestling. You do, in practice, wrestle at 100% because you won't hurt your opponent. So that right there is a story that needs to be told. But the other parts of it and the bigger part of it, and I feel as though both of these guys have forgot. I think that Colby's forgot as much as Masvidal's forgot. Masvidal was a 55-pounder back then. 
It's in a new weight class. It's a different fight. And I know it in my heart, but it doesn't count. It doesn't count for me to know it. I have to be told it by you. And when I'm told it by you, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to see it a third time. I'm going to look into your eyes and I need to know that you mean it. You believe this is going to be different. You believe you know the same. And guys, I've seen this. I saw this one time firsthand where a training session did not turn in to a fight. It did not carry over. Tim Sylvia, Randy Couture. And Randy would do things to Tim in practice. But then I would watch Randy go with a common opponent that would trade in. Then I would watch Tim go with that opponent. And I could tell that Tim was holding back on Randy. I could see it. I could see it when the common opponent would trade in. I go, oh my goodness, Tim's being respectful. And just before they fought, Tim came out and finally told the media, Randy has a false sense of security over me because I let him do it. I let him do it out of respect. And I'm here to tell you, Tim was telling the truth. Tim was, now whatever happened in that fight between those boys, that's history and well-documented. I'm just sharing with you, there are times in practice where it doesn't quite what you see meet the eye. That's one example. But I do need to hear from Masvidal and Colby, and I need to know that they're telling the truth and that they believe it. I need to know that they both want to be here. If I hear that Colby's calling out Masvidal for a year and Masvidal doesn't want it, I don't want the fight. I'm now being told that Masvidal's called out Colby a total of four times and Colby's not. If they don't want to fight each other, I don't want to see it. Staying in the welterweight division, We've got another exciting development for a fighter that I consider to be one of the greatest experiments we've ever seen in professional sports. Burns and Chimaev, are they going to fight? I'm asking you guys a question because I know it's being reported all over that they are. Are you guys aware of the timeline? How did this start? I imagine it was Chimaev. I think this might have even been a DM between the two. Like Chimaev and Gilbert were talking back and forth and agreed to fight. And I believe one of them screenshotted the message and posted it to the world. And I think that was Chemayev. I know I'm cl- I'm 98% on this one. I think that's exactly how it went, though. Now, all the reporters are reporting not only are they going to fight, they're going to fight in April. But I'm still asking you guys the question. Do you think they're going to fight? Because something is going on with Chemayev. I don't know what it is. I've asked the question many times. And I come to you, the Eagles, just in case I miss something, in case I overlook something or in case you feel that your thumb on the pulse is seeing something and I'm missing it. It's one of those things, but there were no comments by you guys. There was guesses the same as I was making. I was making guesses. I guess it's not going to be Neil Magny. I guess Jeff Neal is interested. I guess Blahal Muhammad has thrown his name in the hat. It was one of these things, but Gilbert Burns specifically is, is the one guy I didn't want Shemayev to fight. I just didn't like that idea, and I think that Gilbert deserves something different. But many people are disagreeing and saying, no, Chael, it should be Gilbert because Gilbert deserves something big and Shemayev is big. Okay. I mean, you, you kind of hoisted me with my own baton on that argument by flipping it on me, and I do see the point. I also cannot argue against Gilbert doing that match if it's the match that Gilbert wants. So I imagine I have to stop, but I don't think that the conversation stops there. I think we're just getting started. Because if I have successfully convinced you something, we're calling it something, is going on with Chemayev, then I don't know that any two names, in this case Gilbert Burns, solves the problem. If we're just looking for someone that can fog a mirror, what was wrong with the name Neil Magny? Or Lahal Mohammed? Or Jeff Neal? I mean, do you see where I'm going with this? We don't have a ton of clues 
on Chemayev, but we were told by Dana, Chemayev is four fights away from being in there for a world title match. That doesn't have to mean four. About four fights, three is about four. Frankly, two is pretty close to four. Six is close to four. We don't know, but Dana did give us a parameter. And when I heard Dana say four fights, in all fairness, my ears didn't pick up on one, two, three, four fights. What my ears picked on, uh, about 15 months. I could be misinterpreting, but that's what I heard. When Dana said four fights, I thought he was saying, hey man, this guy needs at least a year and maybe a little bit more before we have this conversation. That was my takeaway. But as the days keep going on, it doesn't matter if we're a day closer, a week closer, in this case, two and a half months closer, we're still closer. But when I do bring that up, it does have something to do with Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is a top guy. You beat Gilbert, you're going to have everybody's attention. It's the same reason I would predict for you, Chemayev will not be in there with Covington. You beat Covington, you're now the number one contender, but we've got dangling over us about this 15-month period, about this four-fight angle. So I thought it would disqualify those guys. I see those guys as a problem, but maybe they maybe they don't create a problem. Maybe they solve a problem, which is to speed that 15-month-up clock, to speed that four-win clock up. And I just don't know who's holding it up. It just makes me curious. I don't have like an overwhelming point here. There isn't some kind of conspiracy angle. I just am a curious guy. I got to know everything, right? I got to know everybody else's business. And generally, I can stand back just because I understand the sport and the history and the way some of the moves are made, and I can begin to guess and put on my detective hat and generally get right or right in the direction of being correct. I don't know what's going on here. It does not appear by anything that we have seen or heard that Chemayev is the one pumping the brakes. We now have meaningful opponents all spread over the rankings. From Magni to Blahal, to Gilbert, you've now covered the spread of the top 15. So if you don't want to put him with the top guy, okay, you can put him with the middle guy. You don't want to put him with the middle guy, okay, you, you, you can put him with the lower rank. I mean, they've covered the spread. Everything seems to be there. The weight class seems to be very clear, which is 170. That's been clear for about eight months, but that was a big question on Shemayev. What weight class is he going to go? Get him in there. Get him in there quickly. Bounce him up to middleweight. Move him back down to welterweight. As soon as he looked like an actual viable contender, you got to put him in a weight clash. Start to get him a ranking. Start to get him some ranked wins. There's a process and a way to do things. And it looked like at one point we were unclear on what that was going to be. Now it looks like we do have that clarity and that it's going to be at 170 pounds. But we don't have an opponent. I'm light on the idea of Gilbert Burns. I'm light on it. I'm light on it because I don't see how Gilbert Burns raising his hand creates anything different from the other three guys that I just named for you. Mohammed, Neil, Magni. I don't see what it is that Gilbert brings to the table that is anything different other than one hell of a big problem to deal with. Gilbert Burns is a straight-up hammer. Maybe Chemayev is too. But I'm still light on the idea. I am. I know you guys are seeing headlines everywhere. Gilbert versus Chemayev in April. I'm here to tell you that's according to Gilbert and Chemayev. I would also remind you, you're going to be very hard-pressed and it's going to be slim pickings to you to give me examples historically within the UFC where fighters and social media media made fights. That's just not how it works. And the biggest piece of this story that is interesting to me 
Again, from a purely nosy, being a little bit snoopy, curious standpoint, what is the holdup, right? For a period of time, we didn't know the weight class. At a different period of time, Chemayev wasn't healthy, right? He came down, he was sick and ill. These things are behind us. And as the clouds started to part, as the sun started to come through, we're now left with questions, just as many, but they're all new questions. Who? When? Where? For a period of time, nobody wanted to fight him. That's what we were all told. Trying to get Chemayev a fight, nobody wants to fight him. Neil Magny stepped forward and proved that that was not so. Lahal Mohammed got some momentum going and said, eh, not so fast. Jeff Neal got a good win under his belt and said, wait a minute, I'm your guy. So the problems that we used to believe that we had to delay the return of a bout contract for Hamzat Chemayev no longer exist. New problems appear to exist, but we haven't been told what they are. So I'm going to ask you again. In April, is it going to be Gilbert Burns versus Chemayev or are we needing to look for something else? Coming up next, I'll tell you about a fight that did just get booked, and I think we can all agree is going to be an exciting one. That's in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about a presenting sponsor for today's show. The NFL playoffs are here, guys, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code CHAIL and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code CHAIL. This wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Derek Lewis. Just got announced his big fight's coming up with Ty Tiavasa, and they're going to go back to Houston to do it. Now, all of those details are very relevant. And I feel as though Houston might have been missed by you guys if you read this. You're probably thinking, what do I care where they fight? I'm watching the same place, which is on my couch. I get that, but think about it from Derek's standpoint. Because one thing that Derek, don't forget, Derek's from Houston. This is his hometown. And don't forget, when he had his last loss, which was two fights ago, turns out to be a title fight against the undefeated to Surreal Gone. It just wasn't Derek. And I'm not trying to rewrite history and tell you that Derek Lewis on a different night is better than Surreal. I saw the gap. I saw what you guys saw. But I hope that you didn't miss. That was not Derek. Derek left a lot of his skills and his tools in the locker room. 
He brought his toughness and he brought his guts, but he was apprehensive at times. He was gun-shy at times. He took more shots than he even threw. If he was throwing shots and they're missing, I'm not having this conversation with you guys. He was reserved, and that's what happened when you have some pressure. And fighting at home is not a home court advantage. It is in every other sport. Every other sport, if you can get that game at your college, in your town, on your field, it is a little bit helpful to not have to travel in. Maybe you're in a different time zone, sleeping in a hotel. Where are you going to get your food? We're splitting hairs here. It isn't the world's biggest deal. But if you wanted to say advantage, even if it was slight, it would go to the home team. It's not that way in fighting. Everybody you know is hitting you up for tickets to the event, of which you don't have. Everybody you know in all of your media, all of a sudden they haven't had a real interest in your career, but because it's at home, they're all banging down your door. It's just one of these things. All of your peers who you've told that you're a tough guy your whole life are now going to show up live and find out if you're telling the truth or not. I mean, it's just one of these tough spots. So when Houston came off the page with Ty Tiavasa, I understood it. Yes, Derek is owed a favor in his hometown. Tiavasa is not an easy night. Tiavasa can win that fight. Derek can win that fight. But what I am speaking to is it's more of a fun fight than is a competitive fight. It is more of, hey, let's go out here and put on a show as opposed to let's go out here and straighten out contendership. It's just a different level of fight. This was my impression and my opinion, but then I read Derek. And Derek spoke about this. And Derek said, man, the pressures of fighting at home. And I ran into people who had talked to Derek that week. Derek you know, comes in contact with personnel. I see the person, hey, how's Derek doing? How's he seeming? And they all said the same thing, man. He seems a little bit nervous. I think it has to do with the fact that he's fighting at home. And I got it completely. I fought at home before. I, I've heard enough. I know everything that comes with that, whether Derek ever takes the time to verbalize it or not. But now he is talking about it. No, he said, man, there was a lot on my shoulders that night. And he think that he's telling the truth. I don't feel there's any excuse making, right? An excuse and a reason are not the same thing. It's very important that you find the reasons something happened. And they don't always have to just be when something bad. It can also be when something good. But here's the reasons as opposed to here's my excuses for not getting the result I wanted. Derek was speaking about the reasons. I saw it with my own eyes. I knew it before he ever said anything. And I always appreciate it when a very high-level athlete comes out and talks about the negative side, particularly when it comes psychologically. I will tell you, I was an athlete my whole life. Started at nine years old. I got through college thinking I had a secret. My secret was how nervous I was before a match. I acted brave. I acted bold. I put the right face on, but inside, that was my secret. I didn't want anybody to know it. But once I started talking to my college teammates whose athletic career ended, when college ended, their athletic career ended, very common, but now they can talk about it. Now it's in the past. Now they can be open. And I'm listening. I'm in a room. My head's on a swivel. I'm listening to one teammate after the next. They're all, they had my secret. Turned out my secret didn't make me weird. Turned out my secret was normal. I just didn't know that. I thought it was only me. I would see the opponent across the mat and think, man, I wish I was like him. I wish I was brave. I wish I was excited. I wish I wanted to be here. I wish I wasn't in a panic. But I never ver discussed it with anybody. I never verbalized it. Nobody had ever done it to me. I'd never heard it before. I thought it was mine. And whenever athletes come out and they speak openly, George St. Pierre did a lot of it. Donald Cerrone has done a lot of it. You take the power away from a situation when you call it out. 
When you think you're hiding something, it has a lot of power over you. It's like a threat. Have you guys ever been threatened? The threat is nothing more than words. The power of the threat is whatever the response you have to the threat is. If you blackmail, if you get blackmailed, if you get worried and you panic or something's going to come out, whatever it is those words of the threat does to you is the power of the threat. Otherwise, they're just words. Easy to say, hard to do when it's you. And I appreciated that Derek spoke about this, and I accept it fully. That is what happened. That isn't to say that Derek would have beaten Surreal. That's between those boys. We don't want to take that from Surreal. But Derek could have competed differently had that been in any other location he didn't have that on his shoulders. That I do believe. And that's me talking, not Derek. I'm going I'm to slip that in there for Derek. But that's what I saw. Artem Lobet. Artem is a great guy, by the way. I think that you guys know who Artem is, but Artem kind of got put in the shadow of Conor McGregor. When Artem was coming up, Conor was coming up, but Conor was coming up a little bit brighter, and so it was one of these things. But those guys are training partners. Those guys are buddies, and Artem's a great guy. I met him once. He was a great guy, and he's a very gritty competitor. Artem would bring it, and his record looked like anybody else's record that's at the highest of levels. You win some, and you lose some, but Artem would show up, and he would compete. And I really think that Artem had a real crowning moment the night he went over to bare knuckle boxing, which is not what he does, not something he's skilled at, and beat Pauli Malignaggi. I think that's what Artem showed us all, man. He's got the skills. The DNA that you have and what you're blessed with is somebody else waving a wand over you that you can't do anything about. But your hard work and your effort and your knowledge and your courage and your guts, you can put that on display. And I don't know that Artem ever put it on display better than that, but Artem recently spoke about when he retired. From a psychological standpoint, how difficult that was for him. Because he said, I had to look at the guy in the mirror. I had to look at myself and say, you're not good enough. Your goals that you have put life on hold to pursue are not going to come true. That's hard. That is some tough stuff. But of all the great things that Artem has given us, and Artem has given us fight fans a lot of good moments, hasn't he? He has not given us anything like that statement. The courage and the bravery that it took for Artem to come out and say that, which probably in private brought a tear to his own eye, for him to come out and say that, you're learning something about yourself, which is that secret that you have inside, that fear, apprehensiveness that you have inside, is normal. I remember the day that it happened to me. That's a true story. I told you about my college career was done. We're Guys over at my house, we're watching something on TV, we're sitting around my living room, and guys start telling stories back and forth, and I'm sitting in the middle going, oh my God, they're describing me. I thought it was only me. When Cowboy Cerrone comes out and he talks about the fear that he has or the nervousness that he has, he's going to push through it, he's going to deal with it, that's what makes him a fighter, but it still exists. He's talking about me. When Derek Lewis talks about the pressures that he's got to fight at home, or when Artem Lobed realizes certain guys are going to be champion and certain guys don't, even if you do everything the same. There's other factors. There's intangibles. There is skills and talents that you're born with or you're not. He's talking about me. I think you guys can relate to that. I think it's a very endearing thing. I also think it's a very interesting and relevant piece to the story for Derek's next fight where he's going to return to the same situation that he just failed. Derek didn't just lose the fight to Surreal Gone. He failed in the preparation ahead of time of bringing his skills. He got nervous. He panicked a little bit. We're going to simply call it pressure, to quote Derek himself. So now he's going to return to that same situation, but this time he's going to know. It's not going to catch him by surprise. It's not going to have the element 
of elusiveness. He knows full well what he's going to get into. How is he going to deal with it? That's really what's on display. This is not a physical test for Derek, at least not alone. This is a mental test for Derek. All right, guys, let's dive into boxing here for a bit. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I promise it's important to discuss. So let's get into it and be a little bit more clear this time. I'm going to talk about Will Fury versus Jake Paul now, because if that fight gets made, I will never speak of it again. And I'm very worried because I love the experiment of Jake Paul. I want something good to happen to Jake Paul. I really do. I want him to get what he's looking for, which is the competition, the hard work, but the respect and the accolades that go along with it. Jake's in a bit of a tricky spot. I wouldn't go as far as to call it a tough spot, but it's tricky. It has to be handled just right. When you do great pay-per-view numbers and you have a bad night, that's life. Everybody does it. George Strait doesn't sell out every show. He does the same thing every single time, and then sometimes something happened that night that everybody can guess at, but nobody will know for sure, and the audience isn't packed. It's the way that it goes. All right, George can't do that twice in a row. If George does it three times in a row, George is no longer playing arenas. He's now playing concert halls. It's just the way that it works, right? Every, the baseball rule of three strikes and you're out is true with everything in life, so the next move that Jake does needs to be done right. There is no chatter if we're to go today. That can all change. That can change overnight. But we've had 30 to 40 nights, and it hasn't changed once. It's just about Will Fury. And what would the story of that be? The reason I tell you I won't talk about it, what in the hell would I have to say? And they don't want me talking about it. I'm not going to do anything to help hype that fight because I don't have anything to hype it. What's the point that these two are fighting? Will didn't have his balls the first time, but he got shamed into it by social media and his own family, and he's going to make sure that he does the walk the second time as long as there's enough money that he can fall into I mean, the, it doesn't work. What am I possibly going to say? And what are they fighting for? They're fighting because, because Jake wants his respect and wants to show that he's fighting an actual boxer. Will's not a boxer. Will's a guy from a family of boxers, and Will has boxed. That doesn't fit the criteria. And it's a giant middle finger to the audience when it gets revealed to us that Will's opponents had a combined record of four wins and 158 losses. When that gets revealed to us, that one of Will's wins was over a guy that had two wins and 99 losses, I didn't even know that a commission could sanction such a thing. I mean, this guy's got to be fighting out in Biloxi every other weekend. It's a giant middle finger for what they tried to pull over on us the first time with the audience. However, if I was to ask you guys, or you were to ask me, Right now, who do you want to see Jake Paul fight the most? You're going to say Will. It doesn't mean you want to see him fight Will. It's The question was rigged with the most because they haven't put anybody else in there. Look, a way better idea, a way better idea is just shine Will up one time. Put Will in there with an actual boxer. Guy doesn't need to be any kind of a world beater, but he needs to be a real boxer. He won the Golden Gloves. He Maybe he made a world team. Maybe he was an Olympic hopeful. That'll do. Maybe he's got a pro record of eight wins and one loss or a pro record of five wins and no losses or he's 15 and four, right? I mean, that doesn't have to be something beautiful, just a real guy. You put Will in there one time with a real guy and you tell the story ahead of time, which is Jake is going to be there and Jake is going to be in the front row. Jake will fight Will if Will beats this guy. You've got to shine him up in some fashion. You have to. 
It doesn't work the way it is right now. It's going to be laughed at. And the people that are encouraging Jake to do this are setting him up. They aren't his real friends. All of the media that is saying, oh no, this is going to work. The second they sign that contract and it's will, the media is going to come out with the plan they had in the first place, which is to do what I'm doing right now. They're going to laugh at him. They're going to degrade it. They're going to take every good opportunity away from Jake. It is their plan. The media is telling Jake, do this fight. This is the one that makes sense. They're setting him up. And as soon as those contracts are signed, no media is going to help to push this fight. They're going to do what I have the courage to admit I'm going to do right now, which is bury the fight. They're going to bury it. There is no scenario where they're going to give Jake anything, including a pat on the back. So they will set the story up ahead of time. The boxing community ahead of time is going to turn on this fight and say, Will is not our representative. He does not represent our community. He is not who we wanted for. They're going to pull back from the fight. It's their plan. And all they need to go into hater mode is a contract that's signed that nobody can get out of. Then they're going to piss all over the thing. They're going to wait for it to bomb. They're going to come out with these headlines and they're going to act as though boxing is resurrected and the entertainment spectacle that this is is now long behind us. They're setting him up. And you can mark my words, this is exactly how it will play out. They will encourage this fight and encourage it until the very next day. Then they will go into full-on, this is garbage mode, which gets a whole bunch of clicks and a whole bunch of headlines, and it's what they want, but they can't do it. They can't make the heel turn until they get that damn contract signed. The match doesn't work. What I just suggested does. Go find a guy. You want to know a fight that would work? Put Will Fury in there with Tyron Woodley. And I'm not saying you're going to have blockbuster. That's, that's not where I'm going. You want to know a match that would work. You put them in there. That could even be a co-main event on some card. But you add the caveat that Jake will be in the front row. And if Will can show that he can handle himself with Tyron, then Will will belong in there with Jake. The problem with doing that, Will can't beat Tyron. Will would not beat Tyron. And if Will wouldn't show up, to fight Jake just because of the pressures that that came with, it's going to be even more pressure to fight a guy who Jake's beaten twice. And he wouldn't show up for that. Trust me. Bring in a guy. Somebody that fits the bill that I just said. Doesn't have to be a big marquee name. Askren wasn't a marquee name in boxing. Tyron had a pretty good name, but it wasn't in boxing. Will's got a very strong last name but the boxing community does not accept him as one of theirs. None of them mean it. And they will bury this fight in the press long before bell time. They will not even give these guys the opportunity. It is what they are gunning for right now. They just need those contract signs so they can come out on the hater tour. The problem that this has is nobody else has offered themselves. I'm not sure that Jake Paul isn't the most feared man in boxing. Because nobody's saying that they want to fight him. Now, you will get guys to fight him. They like the payday. They like the attention. There's guys that are, got the courage to bite down and go take that beating. But they're few and far between. you got to add some extra commas. you got to add some extra zeros. They're well aware what is likely to happen, and they will be exactly what I just said, which is removed, isolated, and cut out from the boxing community so that boxing can hold its head up strong. Guys, this is a day-old story. You may be too young to know, but there was once a year called 1993. 
1993, something called the Ultimate Fighting Championship debuted. Now, the idea behind this, without a doubt, you get a few smart people in a room. They realize we're going to bring in karate. So everybody that's ever done karate ever is going to come to watch this guy. And then we're going to bring in Taekwondo. And even if that community's small, anybody that does Taekwondo anywhere in the world or ever has is going to come support this guy. Then we're going to bring in Judo. And even though that community's not very big, we're going to get 100% of Judo practitioners. This was the idea and this was the thought, that you were going to mix martial arts and you're going to have support from everybody. When this experiment failed miserably and the whole world got revealed that what Chuck Norris was doing on TV doesn't work in real life, the karate community, just by example, they didn't get behind it and think, well, send in another representative and send in a better representative and let us train and let us prepare for it. They actually told their students, don't watch this. Do not support this. They then really spun it and said, the techniques of karate are so dangerous that they cannot be applied in this kind of a competition because somebody could be seriously injured, right? I mean, you meet the guy that went through the military and he comes out and he says he can kill somebody seven different ways with his thumb tip. Like, you've heard these things. This is a real thing. And as long as you can keep it quiet, it seems to work. But all of the martial arts, and I isolated karate, but all of the martial arts went to their students and said, don't get behind the sport. Don't watch this sport. Our techniques are so dangerous and so vicious that we won't send our best in there because we don't want to hurt the opponent. So let me continue to show you for $40 a month these techniques in my studio with the promise that you never actually try to apply them. This is to give you confidence to protect yourself, but don't actually try to do it. Right? I mean, the opposite happened. <clears throat> this is not Chael's opinion. I'm stating a factual piece of the history, of the timeline, of the rise of mixed martial arts. The same thing is true on a one-off in the sport of boxing. And boxing is never going to let one of their representatives go in and be beat by Jake Paul. They won't. And they're so nervous and so worried about it, they will carve that person out of their community prior to the match. This is something that will never be given to Jake. Jake will have to take it at some point. Jake will have to get a Canelo to step into the situation. Somebody who absolutely cannot be denied. It's the only way that that's going to work. Or set that on hold. That doesn't matter. Let's just go and have some fun. We got a new number, the number 69,000. All we got to do is beat that to show that we're progressing. Bob's your uncle and off we go. I mean, there's all sorts of things that if you removed one piece that could be true. My auntie, if she had balls, would be my uncle. We can play this game until we're blue in the face. Jake versus Fury is a terrible idea. But Jake is being set up and he's being encouraged by people he thinks he can trust to go inside a bout contract and have this match. They are going to turn on him the day that that is signed. Jake needs to know that. We all must come forward with another or better idea, and nobody seems to want to step on that grenade. And Will won't take the deal that I just proposed. Will will not go tight fight Tyson, Tyron Woodley, for the right to fight Jake Paul. He will not do it. If you presented him with it, he's going to need more. He's going to have 20 different excuses to not go do that because it's an even bigger risk. He'd rather take the embarrassment one night for $2 bucks, go back to England and plan his next move. There needs to be a, a fight, a contendership fight, 
there needs to be some kind of a bout with somebody who for sure is welcomed into the boxing community. That guy needs to be defeated by Will so that Will by default is accepted into the community so that when Jake goes out and competes him, Jake has something to be there for. To close out today's show, let's go back to the UFC and the lightweight champion because guys, I gotta tell you, I'm liking him more and more every day and here's why. Is Charles Oliveira secretly and quietly becoming the most interesting champion in the UFC? Like, Is that happening right in front of us? Charles Oliveira came out, we discussed this, but he talked about he would like to take on Volkanovski, he would like to take on Kamar Usman, as long as it's for their belt. I don't want to go to that division, I don't want to go be a contender, I don't want to change weight classes, I don't want to give my belt away, but I would like an opportunity to do the champ-champ business, and I'll go up or down, only guarantee I need it's for the belt. Okay. That's simple. That wasn't the entire point of the interview that he did. It's just what I found to be most interesting. And other people were with me. The elbows and the manias of the world. I mean, th this was a headline of everything that he said. That was the headline. And it is. It, it, it's very catchy. But then you've got a Charles Oliver who seems to do everything right. Lives in the favela where he came from. Brings money and food and clothing back to his neighbors. Never gets in trouble. You know, that, now he's talking about he can't see very well, right? You have a champion who says, I see three. When I'm out there fighting, I see three. Now, there was an interesting thing that happened, guys. You probably missed this. After Charles Oliveira's last fight, so right after he gets done with Poirier, he's leaving the cage to go to the back, and he's, you know, kind of saying hello to the fans and having that moment. And one of the fans, for reasons unknown, reaches up and steals his glasses. And if you would have seen the look on Charles's face, he stopped what he was doing. He pointed, he started yelling, he got his glasses back. But it was just the sign of a man who was desperate, who needed his glasses. And if you do take a look, they these great big Coke bottle glasses. So when he says he's seeing three of everything, I mean, it is just very interesting to me because now all of a sudden you've got a guy that's dealing with, with challenges, but he's never used it to complain. In fact, the story that I just told you was never even meant to be caught. He's never said, like, look at me, I'm going out there with a challenge anyway. He just, this... Just the reality of the situation, and off he goes. And it just seems as though on accident, Charles Oliveira might be the one real good guy. And I bring that up to good guys to bad guys, because when I was coming through and I went on the other end of the pool, I went there strategically speaking because I realized the competition for the good guy role was being fought for by absolutely everybody in every division of both genders in every weight class. And I realized that I can go swim down here and be the greatest heel in the sport because I'm the only one down there. Now, I bring that to you because why I favor the black hat role. I don't favor it just because it's more fun. I favor it from a marketing standpoint. But now we have everybody trying to swim down there. Everybody's trying to come in with the quips. Everybody's trying to be a little bit meaner and a little bit nastier than the guy that comes before them. Everyone's trying to, to wear an outfit or a suit or a hat or a piece of jewelry that distinguishes them and separates, and they're all getting very redundant. It's getting a little bit dull, but more than anything, they're all starting to swim to the end of the pool that I preferred, which does leave an opportunity for the guy wearing the white hat. That has to be done. Every story's got to have a good guy, but it's got to have a bad guy. 
And I only bring that to you because I don't know of any other champion that, that is really going for that role. And not to mention, when I say the guys go for it, it's generally an act and we see through it. We don't really need you to come out here and pray over a Bible if you're secretly a scumbag. Just be who you are. It appears that Charles is doing that, but Charles slowly, I would even argue on accident, I don't think it's his goal at all, is showing us he's a pretty damn good guy. Charles Oliveras is secretly a dirty competitor. I liked that about him. When he said, I will go up or I will go down, I will do either. You bring the belt. I don't need anything else. I need a shot for an opportunity. That meant something to me. The guys that are out there fighting just for money or the guys that are fighting for fame, and they have the right to do that. But I have the right as a fan too, and that's not the ones that I gravitate towards. I gravitate towards the guy who's there because he wants to compete. He looks at this as a competition. The numbers matter, the opportunities matter, getting your recognition matters. That's what he's hungry for. That's the guy that I'm getting behind, and I'm starting to see that with Charles. Charles used to drive me crazy, but he was driving me crazy for all of the same reasons that I just laid out that I'm now telling you I'm finding endearing. I'm just wondering if you guys are doing the same thing. Is Charles Oliveira starting to win you over, and if so, why? And once you identify that, which will probably be close to something that I just said, I think that we're all kind of feeling the same thing, Ask yourself one more question, which is, how come that didn't work three years ago? And the year before that and the year before that, how come? What is different now? You might not just learn something about Charles Oliveira if you ask yourself those questions. You might learn something about yourself. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, search your welcome, and leave us a review like our friend Huggy Bear, who says Chael is and always will be the GOAT. Well, thank you, Huggy Bear, and thanks to all of you for listening. We will be back here on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.